Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. Uh, we're we're back at it after a week without a show because of life. Uh, if anybody listens to the Weekly Pint, which is my live weekly show on Mondays um, on all of your favorite social media platforms, uh, you know that um, the the the. The things that I'm spending my uh, quote-unquote free time on have uh, <laughs> changed dramatically this year. And because of that, I've been just super busy. And some weeks, I just cannot make this happen. And last week was one of those weeks, so I'm sorry. Um, I apologize for all of you who uh, got in your car on Monday morning and were headed to work and went to put on the brewcast, and it just didn't exist because... Um, yeah, it's my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I accept your apology. I'm one of those people. <laughs> but we are but we are back at it this week. Although, will you listen to this show next week? Oh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> I say I don't I don't typically listen to the podcast that I'm on. I'm like I already heard this already. So, um it's always strange to hear yourself back into um your ears again yeah it's 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 very odd it's definitely <laughs> an odd uh an odd situation uh michael adina welcome back to the show mm-hmm. um i feel like this is i don't know how often we we get together and we do these but it's become like a um uh, almost uh, a, i don't know semi-annual yeah like it's yeah. something that we we do very regularly we we sit down and we talk about something it's never the same thing that we talk about no. <laughs> <laughs> and i feel like the world is vastly different every time we sit down and we, uh, we get together over beers. Case, yeah um i uh, that's not something that you could have anticipated when you got into this business how much things would just keep changing dramatically we, right we did well we did say uh in our business plan that we don't know how the beer world is going to change but we know it is going to change and so that was kind of you know part of our ethos actually starting out was that you know craft beer was not going to just stay the exact same right every single now we did not know that a global pandemic would you know be <laughs> you the number one issue one. for multiple years but you know the I mean, only yeah. the the only and i'm not going to say that uh that she predicted it but the mm-hmm. only person that i can uh, that i talked to that had some kind of plan sort of in place was betty at fibonacci oh yeah um i think bob made her scrap spending her time on putting it into their official documentation or whatever she had a an epo like, like a like a global pandemic plan <laughs> <laughs> because that's kind of how betty is <laughs> that is yeah that's the only only person that i think uh could have planned for what things have have become but it seems like things are uh, i'm not going to say going back to normal because normal is a moving target, but things are definitely changing back to something that feels a little more familiar to uh, uh, to drinkers from from this side of the bar. Um, I think craft breweries are trying to figure that out now mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how they uh, kind of jump back into um, a, a quote unquote business as usual. There's you yeah. know we're starting to see people talk about expanding again, talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, uh, moving forward again instead of just kind of holding on for dear life <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's interesting i mean it's interesting for us i mean we have we didn't really slow down at all um you know in fact we grew sure, in 2020 yeah. and in 2021 by uh you know frankly leaps and bounds um you know we're still this 2022 has been um a little more interesting frankly for us uh just trying to keep track of you know where where trends are shifting because a lot of a lot of what we were doing 
was you know selling beer in cans, right? And that was a huge part of our business in 2020. Uh, I think it was like 80. I think I've said it's 80. It was 84 percent of our sales were packaged in 2020. It was a little bit closer to, um, I think maybe 75 or something like that in 2021. And I would now even, it's starting to get. I would have even guessed like higher percentage packaging. Well, personally. Um, we did sell a lot of drafts the first uh, two and a half months of the year. Right. So <laughs> more, we sold more beer in uh, the lead up to that's true the shutdown then it was a more, qu- more it was more a quarter beer, yeah. it was a quarter of the year before things really shut down right so we we like we had there was still beer fest there was yeah, still january yeah. and february which aren't big draft beer months but they were bigger than all the months that would come after right, that, right. In that year so yeah, we sold more draft beer uh on the, in the lead up um than we would subsequently but then we sold i mean we were breaking records with I mean, packaged beer um and, you know, we, I mean, we expanded, we could just, again, we kind of had to, cause we were, we were already a new company. Right. Um, but because we don't have a tap room, we're not reliant on, on premise sales. Um, there's a lot of advantages to that. And, right. be, you know, I'm sure, you know, it'd be nice to have one now, but at that time, you know, we were, we were bringing people beer that they were going to go and drink at home. God, that would be cool. You know, like I, I, I know that legally it we it can't happen but mm-hmm. like if a distributor was able to have like a tap room that was just their brands like mm-hmm. how cool would that be that would be cool yeah yeah but we need to make that happen in ohio that would be cool <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah. <laughs> i see i i think and i i know that there's very different kind of schools of thought about this of um where the distributor sits in this this picture of brands uh some people think that they should kind of fade into um, the the brand itself of of who whatever you know beer brand we're talking about and people shouldn't know who is bringing that beer to their stores or their bars or, or bottle shops or whatever it is. Um, I think that like there's this this really cool space for a distributor to have its own group of people that trust. That, that distributor and know that if that distributor is bringing in a new brand, it's something that they've vetted and they say, yeah, try this. Um, so like the idea of a tap room that was, uh, we'll call it curated to some yeah. sense of here's, yeah. here's our brands. Here's the people that, that we trusted enough to bring into our portfolio. Um, you can trust that all of this is going to be good stuff. I think that's, that's a neat idea that, um, um, again, can't happen. It is a neat idea, but you know, yeah, we could just convince you know a bar to only carry our beer and see if that's see how that goes. Anyone, anyone's out there. Uh, we can't, we can't, we can't give you any uh, compensation for that. But you that, know, that does so. exist with other distributors. Uh, it does, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a whole discussion we could go down there about mm-hmm. uh, pay to play and things like that. That uh, um, let's drink a beer instead, though. Let's do it. Um, there's a whole bunch of beer in front of us. Um, it is Cinco de Mayo. I have to say that first. We may drink some Cinco de Mayo inspired beers, but um, this is posting not on Cinco de Mayo, so it's not a Cinco de Mayo show. Um, but uh, uh, it is uh, it is happening. <laughs> I think I'm going to make margaritas live tonight on Facebook or something as uh, my way of celebrating. Um, I like that the glassware matches the beer. Oh yeah, that, it, not deliberate. So this is uh, the summertime, summertide, right? Summertide with lime. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. So that's kind of Cinco de yeah, Mayo. It is, yeah, it is definitely Cinco de Mayo. Uh, cream ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, since since I brought it up, since it is Cinco de Mayo, mm-hmm. let's let's talk a little bit about that. About this idea of. Um, breweries making beers that are themed for Cinco de Mayo mm-hmm. and uh, maybe 
how everybody kind of does the same thing. And that's nothing against Spring for just taking mm-hmm. a light beer and putting lime in it. It's this brilliant. Is, um, I mean, this is this is their summer seasonal, so it's all. It's not just for Cinco de Mayo. It's for the whole the whole summer. But it, it did. But just it come seems out like recently. it seems like that's oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a uh, a good uh, bitter kind of thing that happens in the background too that kind of uh, cuts it off and makes it really um, crisp and, and drinkable. Sometimes, um, sometimes lime mm, tastes very fake in beers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they do. Uh, they did a lime zest on this one. I know it was kind yeah, of a it's, pain it, in the ass. It, it's good. Like, I, mm-hmm. Again, maybe that's part part of the bitterness too that I'm getting is that uh, that, that that kind of pithy kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. Yeah, the aroma is, is is insane. You can definitely get a ton of lime. But why is you know again not as that this beer is mm-hmm. the example of that? Why is that always the thing that everybody seems to go to with? Their... I, people like lime and beer. I mean, I think that's the. <laughs> I mean, I think and again, I, I think um, with this, I think they had they had done a cream ale with lime before that they really liked and they wanted to have. I mean, I I, I think that it is you know everyone thinks of a certain Mexican lager that is often marketed with a, uh, a lime in it. And, you know, imagine how good that could taste if it was a good beer with, right, uh, with right. lime in it. So that, that could be part of it. And, um, it's so like wooden, yeah. wooden cask does uh Batilla de Puebla. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they just posted, I don't know if it's been out for a little, I think it's it just been came out. out. Did yeah, it just, it come, just out? came out? Yeah. And I'm not going to say that that is a, uh, Cinco de Mayo inspired beer, because they've, they've done it other times, but I mean, yeah. It, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's named after the Battle of Puebla. <laughs> but it's, it's, that's what it's, it, yeah. <laughs> but it like it takes that idea of um of of something that is Cinco de Mayo inspired and and kicks it into this other kind of realm that is still very much them and very much uh, it's, with, it's different. With that, with it's different that, with that beer. It was a beer that they had already conceived and then decided to release around Cinco de Mayo gotcha. and gave it a Cinco de Mayo name rather than, Hey, what's our Cinco de Mayo beer going to be? Okay. Let's just brew a Corona and, <laughs> and squeeze some lime juice in it. You right. know, that, that's the, that, that's the difference with that. So that was, yeah, that, that came, they came up with that a couple years ago. And um, I think that it was just like they had these tequila barrels, and we were like, okay, they were looking. At the, we were, we I think we were a little bit a part of this discussion, and they I suggested like, okay, if you got these tequila barrels and you're gonna make this kind of beer, why don't we make it so it can come out around this time? It was right around that that right pre-COVID, kind mm-hmm. of right around that time where they were they were figuring out where they were going to go kind of next mm-hmm. in their growth <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we talked about that i think a, a few weeks ago on the show about how kind of a lot of those plans started going one direction mm-hmm. and then COVID happens and it blows everything up but um that's a good example of one of those beers that i think um re- rethinks uh, as far as uh, a craft brewery about how you can use barrels and yeah. what, what barrels can um, what, what role they can take in a beer. I think they love working with barrels. Randy loves it. Well, I mean, yeah. uh, but we did, we did a show about yeah, talking about their barrel aging. Program. There are yeah. a lot of places that love barrels that don't do it great though. That don't, don't figure out how to, um, how to do it their way. They mm-hmm. just dump things in barrels and then put it in, in 500 milliliter bottles and sell it for 20 bucks a pop. And it doesn't, doesn't speak anything to the brewery. It doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, but, um, the way wooden cask has used barrels in their, um, in their beers is I think brilliant. And it's, uh, 
Um, still one of my favorite barrel aged breweries in the city, but yeah. Um, also again, kind of on that same, you know, as far as breweries that use a beer with a Cinco de Mayo theme, Mm -hmm. one of, I think the more, uh, brilliant ways of kind of creating a beer that is still something different and something that, um, speaks to who they are, but kind of still sticks to that theme. It's hard to do. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that when you're talking about brewery, I think it's just a matter of, are you trying to start with a beer and then come up with, you know, where that beer fits in the calendar? Or are you looking at a calendar and saying, we need our Cinco de Mayo beer? And sometimes for practical reasons, you have to do that, you know, right. the latter case there. But, um, you know, again, that does often lead to gimmicks and, you know, boring stuff that, you know, kind of feels a little half-assed you know well yeah and so like it's not to take away from gimmicks like i again i I don't mind a you know a light lager brewed with fake lime in it like i don't Mm -hmm. i don't mind that like that i'm gonna probably drink a bunch of them tonight but (laughs) (laughs) you know like it it just doesn't as craft beer keeps moving forward i think that uh, it's becoming more important for breweries to be able to take a step beyond that at least most of the time. <laughs> Do we think craft beer is moving forward? I, if craft beer is going to move forward. <laughs> yeah. I think it I think is. Yeah. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, coming out of, of the last couple of years, it's hard to it's hard to kind of get a good picture of where mm-hmm. craft beer is um, because there are so many places that, number one, we thought were going to close. Right. They got their asses kicked the last mm-hmm. couple of years that didn't know what they were doing before that. Um it's hard for them to, to just jump back into things and keep moving forward without kind of finding a new base of who they actually are. Yeah. And I think that, I think that will be interesting to see. Um, you know, when we kind of sift through what breweries we think will be successful in this market to come from out of town. Right. And that's definitely, you know, we're looking at a, at a completely different kind of brewery usually than most of the breweries out there, most of the breweries in the country. What type of brewery are you looking for? Like how, what is for you guys, what when you are looking at a, a brand and thinking about bringing them onto your portfolio, what what are those things that you look at and say? Well, let's uh, let's try a beer from one of them. We can either either try the uh, the single cut or the uh, the pipe works. Mm. Uh, it's up to you. Let's start with the. We'll start with single cut. This is uh, weird and gilly. Have you had that one before? I feel like I have. I, I, I'm a big pusher of it. I really, I really do like it. It is kind of as close to a core that they have. Um, and uh, if you've had it on the show, I'm sorry. I do try to I, make sure you don't get duplicates. I would have to look in my notes, and I'm pouring a beer, so I can't do that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when we're looking at it, – it's kind of – you know, there, there is kind of like a – not an exact science, but there's kind of a way you can analyze, you know, what – is going to draw people's attention. We are looking at a much smaller uh, audience than would typically, like we're not looking for, although we do have a lot of beers on Kroger shelves, we don't have any beer on, you know, Walmart shelves. And, you know, places that it's, a lot of our best customers are places where people are going because they know those customers are going to have the kind of beer that we carry. And we did drink this on volume six episode I'm five. sorry I do like sorry. it though it's been, it's been a while I should we have a bunch of, we have a bunch I didn't even think about it I was just like oh we're gonna I just have I haven't had this in a while we just got it in and I just wanted to try it yeah I haven't had it in a little while so 
well, you'll notice this is a hazy IPA. It is New England, double dry hopped. You can't see through it. It's got a beautiful, you know, opaque yellow orange color. Uh, but you also notice that there's a little bit, a tiny bit of sweetness, but there's a little, a lot of kind of a dank. Um, there is a little bit of bitterness, but I think it's more that kind of like dank resiny character that balances the little bit of sweetness in, in the big kind of mango-y it's, fruity on top. It's still New England though. And in, in, in that, mm-hmm. I mean that it is still a sweeter kind of IPA. It doesn't have, there's this, um, no one would I, confuse it for a West coast. No, but I, yeah. but uh, there is a part of me that kind of likes this, uh, development of new england ipas where there's almost there's now a range of new england ipas there's mm-hmm. kind of some that lean into the the sweet side and there's some that actually kind of have a little bit of bitterness happening too and i kind of like that <laughs> when yeah i mean when there's i mean i drink um you know i've been i've been drinking craft beer forever and the when you have a fresh new england hazy double dry up ipa um, I mean, it's just there's nothing better. It's just it's just a phenomenal way to to enjoy um, you know the, when the you hops have, that we love so much. When you have a good fresh anything, yeah, like and you get it in that that moment and in the right situation, no matter what that style is, there's nothing mm-hmm. better. <laughs> I, I, I I hear what you're saying, but like there's perhaps something I feel that you know at least at least for me and for many many Americans, right. um, it does seem like. You know the, these late hop edition uh, IPAs are you know they really are kind of you're getting high quality ingredients. You're getting um, you know it, it. People say that they're easy to make. They're like it's easy to make one that like can go on a tap room and people are like oh okay it's an IPA. But like to to send this product across there's the country n- and no, across the world in a lot of cases, there's no possible way that these are easy to make, or else yeah. we would have more great ones it's exactly right there's yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of mediocre new england ipas out there mm-hmm. a lot of, yeah. new, of mediocre ones that wouldn't exist if it was easy to, to, it, to make. Yeah, and that's exactly right and i think that's what we found because i mean these are people are willing to pay more for just like how there's different you know price points for wine for beer it's the same way and a lot of what we sell is a little bit more you know if we're it's we can't sell our, you know, I think we have even now, because we do sell a ton of Brink and we do sell a ton of Listerman. We've always sold a lot of wooden cask, but even now, I think it's probably, we're still majority non-local beers. Right. And um, it's all time, it's about one third local, two thirds out of town. And um, we have... Uh, you know, it just most of what we try and do is try and find the beer that that people can't get around here, or that people want. And people are, tra- and frankly, they're already trading for a lot of this beer anyway. Yeah, and that, like, I think I spend so much time obsessed with the local tap room culture, mm-hmm. the the places where you sit down and you you have a beer where they make the beer. That like I I miss out sometimes on that um, that side of the craft beer world of. Mm-hmm. Um, the amazing beer that's being made all across the country that, yeah. Yeah, that is even, even if some of it is, uh, um, how, how do I put this without being offensive? There, there are some things that are, that are, that are hype driven mm-hmm. that are fun because, yeah. because they're hype driven, um, that may not stick around long term, And not that this is what this is, but mm-hmm. there are beers like that, that, 
you just want to try it because you've heard people talk about it. Yeah. And there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Like there's value in trying something because people are talking about it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a very strange world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, definitely. And I, I, think, I think, I think we also like, we, we, we stopped on the, the conversation of how you decide on a, uh, a brewery to bring into the portfolio. I think we got distracted by the beer. Well, I, Talking the beer is a big part of how we decide on a brewery, but you know I don't just rely on my palate. You know we tried to do our best to find out, you know what is that brewery's reputation, um, you know among its potential client base right. in our state. Um, that relies a lot, you know, on. Um, so do you spend a lot of time on social media? Social media <laughs> can be uh, a good tool. Um, you can, but you you know you. That can be dangerous because one or two opinions can, you know, you can over right, over right, extrapolate. Right. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of people complain about Untapped, uh, but it's you know about as good a distillation of opinion as you can find. I mean, people pay for IRI data, and you know, not that saying that Untapped is a, a perfect supplement for that, but um, it's something that if you if you if you have an Untapped rating of above four. Um, you probably make some good beer, right? And if you have five hundred thousand, a million check-ins, that beer is probably pretty popular. Yeah, I would, I would be curious, like if un, if Untapped decided someday to either split up ratings or or, or lock ratings down to just like your friends or um, give you the ability to, to to hide your rating so that more people were. Um, oh, I like that. Like a human, anonymous rating, yeah, yeah. But then, but then the data could still mm-hmm. exist for breweries or for distributors or people who wanted to kind of say, "I'm surprised what are, they haven't what monetized is the, stuff what like that." What is the big kind of picture of what people are rating us? You can't say, "What did this person rate this beer?" But like to be able to have people honestly rate because I would love to to rate beers like for my yeah. reference or you know for some bigger picture uh in some 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 data you know right. but you don't <laughs> um, want to have to go into a brewery that but i don't you know, yeah like i like you rated everything 2.5 or something um enough about untapped let's drink a beer <laughs> let's do it let's do it uh, this is uh pipeworks this is pipeworks ninja versus unicorn talk about uh fun hype ideas um naming a beer ninja versus unicorn and this was a very this is this this was a long time ago that it this was, beer was named, but yeah. it was but it was kind of like at the kind of that start of, of of maybe not the start but like when people really started to understand hyping something and trying to figure out ways to kind of catch on to um maybe some social media juice catching, or some catching people's attention yeah right um, I remember seeing pictures of this when mm-hmm. it, when it came out, even though I couldn't get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and that that was a new thing at the time of like beer from other places, kind of really making it into the uh, the local um, lexicon of, yeah. of what was happening. The so. milieu, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The kind of you know <laughs> that they were they were aware the zeitgeist. Um, no, I mean Ninja versus Unicorn was a unicorn beer that we were very happy to get. I mean, Pipeworks does phenomenal for us. They make a ton of great beers. We get their traditional stuff as well. You know, we, the Ninja, I mean, Ninja is just a solid West Coast IPA too. I mean, you're not, it's not a hazy, it's old school at this point. It's funny to say that, but it is. It's still and not over hopped though. Like it's like, no. it's good and balanced and. Well, it's a lot of late hop. It's, it's dry hopped. I mean, it definitely, yeah, good. yeah. I mean, people, <laughs> people like that even, you know, even, you know, nine years ago, it was definitely, 
the style to kind of have this uh, nice caramely t- flavored, you know, malt base with a ton of uh, citrus and and you know pine and, and all that stuff. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal beer. I drink it all the time. I, w- <laughs> I, I enjoy it a lot. Like I, I feel like I. I mean, I think that's. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think that when you talk about hype, that it has to deliver, and I think that's kind of the thing that people do miss. Because if all I had to do was find funny ingredients and funny cans, and sell it to a bunch of idiots, my job would be a lot easier. It would be real easy to yeah. do. I, I don't know if I could do that job, but I mean, the beer has to deliver, and I think that especially if you're, you know, Ninja vs. Unicorn is eleven ninety nine a four pack, so it's not like breaking the bank right but a lot of what people are paying for they want quality when they pay for it and if you don't have quality and people always say that but it's true i mean if beer's not good people aren't going to drink it and, they, and just, uh, you would think that but they're they're the majority of beer sold in this country is still beer that is not that great well I, it's not great but it it's not great on accident it's not great deliberately you know what i mean it's a deliberate attempt i mean they they spend a lot of money to make beer taste that bad because so many people think that's what they want well and so i think the real secret of of macro beer is Mm -hmm. that um it's it's a large corporation or a group of large corporations that have spent years and years and years figuring out that people don't really want to drink beer like most people don't want beer. Well, I think that's when we're talking about craft beer and is it going to move forward? I think a big part of why people thought craft beer was going to take over the world was because mainstream beer at the time was so bad. Right. And it was so obviously bad and not even that cheap. Um, you know, as far as if you're talking about the big three, um, you know, you can get cheap beer. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to get cheap beer from a brand that buys the most expensive commercials in the world. So, you know, with, um, with, uh, with craft beer, I think people thought, well, if people want, don't like bad beer, well, then they're going to want good beer. And I think for, to a large extent that has been true, but we're now finding out that some of those people want other things. Some of those people didn't still don't want beer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. think, do you think that we've, I, relatively speaking, do you mm-hmm. think that we have figured out the market for craft beer, that the people that are drinking craft beer today, that's that's it? Or do you think that the, the market itself for actual beer, do you think that it's kind of hit its point and now you're just trying to grab a piece of that, that, that market share? Are you or, talking about specifically the market share? I mean, I, I yeah, think we, yeah. we said at the beginning of of beginning of the show, like we started this business knowing that it was always going to be changing. Right. So no, I don't think that anyone's figured it out. Um, that said, I do think that the idea that craft beer is going to universally expand each year, I think it's, it's long been known to be a fiction at this point. Um, and it finding its place, um, in a broader market might be tough, but on the other hand, I, it's just, I, I'm just wondering where, if, if you're if you're talking like, what what are we figuring out? Like, I think that <laughs> at some point, you know, it does seem like what the beer that we are selling um, is kind of I always call it a niche of a niche. You know, like it's it's very very much 
you know, catered to a, a specific, you know, people who are really kind of seeking craft beer and seeking out certain, certain brands, certain flavors, certain, certain, uh, brands and, and, and styles. Um, but we also have, uh, you know, with, with a lot of our locals, I mean, we are kind of, we are competing with kind of a broader craft beer market where we're, you know, we do, we are in Kroger, we are in right. a lot of, you know, sports bars, that kind of stuff. Um, as far as like where the craft beer market is now, um, I think there is a big, is an interesting kind of, uh, the way that craft beer, way that breweries are relying on their tap rooms is interesting when it comes to selling beer outside of their tap rooms. And I've said that for a while, but now I think it's especially interesting because the people who are walking in that tap room now aren't people who have traveled miles and miles to drink beer at, you know, this holy Mecca right. of their favorite brewery. They're going into their brewery because it's the closest brewery. Right. Or it's where, you know, they're they, doing yoga. They're, they got they're this, also not, know. they're also not walking into it being like, what is this? You guys mm-hmm. make beer? Like it's yeah. it, that, that idea is, is gone. Like right. you don't have, I mean, this is, this is, the statement is not true. I'll, I'll clarify in a second. You don't have people walking in that they're not already craft beer drinkers. Right. With that being said, you do still have those people that are walking in with a group. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't drink craft beer. What do you have this Bud Light? That still exists, but well, not in the way that it used to. That's true. But I think that you're also, people have kind of made their mind up about craft beer. Right. So I think there's a lot of people walking into a place like, okay, you know, I'm doing trivia, but I'm only, I'm not going to drink any beer. Yeah. Or, my, you know. my buddy gave me one of those Ninja Unicorn beers and I didn't <laughs> like that stuff. Yeah, it was way yeah. too, way too happy for me. Right. Um, but I think that's, but that customer base is fine for, you know, selling a very high profit margin pint um, or, you know, much less higher profit margin seltzer or, or, you know, stuff that you have to buy. Stuff right. you have to buy. I mean, obviously if you're making your own seltzer, it's, you make, you can make a lot of money on that. But my point is that now the revenue that they're getting from these tap rooms is so much a big part of what you know their universe is. It's becoming very difficult for these breweries to be competitive outside of that tap room, right? <laughs> it, it, which is very crowded. And so when we're talking about wh- like what kind of breweries that we're selecting, you know, it's breweries that um, that have kind of won that tournament of you know f- making the decisions they've, that, they've made that choice yeah. already they're like we're yeah. gonna we're gonna go <laughs> well right i mean like everyone everyone wants to be successful out there. i mean you don't build a you know x million dollar facility to only sell beer you know on single night you know what i mean like it's <laughs> so um it's you know it's it's definitely a i think that when we're looking at the kind of beer that we're bringing in the kind of stuff we're picking up um we we kind of look at I guess a good example so it doesn't sound like I'm just honking my own horn here. Um, it's like Urban Artifact is a local brewery. People love them. They do a great job, but they sell beer in like 14 states, right? Because they make phenomenal beer that is unique and that, that kind of that frankly dominates a category that isn't big. I would I would I would say that it almost created its own category. It, I mean, it definitely created its own style. Yeah. Like objectively, <laughs> well, they, yeah. They, on top of that, they've also expanded on. Uh, this is going down a different little rabbit hole here, just for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people have noticed. Uh, Midwest fruit tart is just a piece of the fruit tart category now. Mm-hmm. What used to be seasonal gozas are now 
fruit tarts. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have uh, Midwest fruit tarts. Of course, you have double fruit tarts. You now have American fruit tarts. <laughs> like it's all. <laughs> yeah. It has created its own its own thing. Yeah. Which is kind of brilliant. It it is brilliant. <laughs> but part of the part of the brilliance <laughs> is recognizing that the demand for that existed. That there was precedent right. for those kind of beers, and you know again executing them again the quality has to be there right it has to be has to be exactly what it's supposed to be but yeah. you know they I mean i would can't have cans blowing up on people's shelves <laughs> i would love to see i would love to see uh cause I, mean, I mean i used to feel like i knew the breweries that were selling outside of the state of ohio and kentucky but um you know at this point as far as local breweries selling seriously outside of ohio is it i mean i think it's is we have is rheingeist or uh, Urban Artifact. Um, and then as far as that, I don't know if there's another major I mean, one. I mean, Mad Tree has some out there. They're, They're in, in Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. And I feel like... They must be in Indiana, right? Yeah, I feel like the Indiana, may, maybe? Maybe not. I, I actually, I'm actually not 100% sure. It, 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 but I didn't mean to call anyone out or, or, no, or yeah, kind of, yeah, but I think, I think it's an interesting I will, thing. I will where, get an email of somebody. Oh, we do too, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, but I, I, would, I would love to know. I mean, cause I think that that is kind of a sign of, you know, at least, I mean, maybe people say like, yeah, we don't sell outside of the state because that's stupid for X, Y, and Z business right. reasons. And maybe that's the case, but as someone who brings in two thirds of the beer we sell is from out of state, you know, I care if it's a beer that can sell right. anywhere like there, I mean, if we, I know for a fact, that but like, that's, it's yeah. not that it's not that it's not that some of these brands couldn't sell somewhere else. It's, I think it, it's more about what's happening here in Cincinnati that gives people reason to not have to sell somewhere else. Um, what do you I, mean? I think so. I like, I, 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 and I'm, I, trying to think of an example that doesn't like call somebody out, but, uh, there, uh, there are brands that I think, um, are, are, are making beer that could sell on, on a shelf outside of the city that maybe they just, they, they aren't interested in growing in that way. Um, Do you disagree? I don't think that is true. Okay. Um, just as far as far from a business perspective, I don't think that is true. Okay. Just to be honest, I don't I don't want to dwell on that too much. Be, because because of the brand or because of the beer? Um because of the market. Is basically I mean you okay. just I mean it's that would you buy a, a, a beer that was indistinguishable from a local beer if it was from Topeka, Kansas? Would I would personally? You buy, yeah. Would you no, yeah. I mean, no, obviously but, but, that's a but, terrible question because you're yeah, a yeah, very big I'm, 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 a, I'm a terrible example. <laughs> but I mean no that would I would, my wife? I, yeah. Yes, my wife. I would. would not bring a beer that was indistinguishable from a local brewery that wasn't okay. local. Do you okay. understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I got where you're going now. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. So in that that's 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 what I'm it's just talking it about you know, differentiation, if that makes sense. How much of that, how much of that is brand versus the actual liquid for you? Um, they, it's, they, it just has to be both. You know I mean? Brand is, I mean, I mean uh, the, yeah. the, the liquid has to be good. I, I feel yeah. like that's almost like a, like a given now, like it has to be a good beer. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's an awkward conversation, I guess in some ways, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like, I mean, they're really, you know, I do kind of have to, take on faith that, but, you know, that, that the 
that what we're bringing in has to be, um, you know, in some cases just by the law of averages, but in some cases just by demand, that what we're bringing in has to be able to differentiate itself from a quality perspective uh, from beer that is readily available in the market. Yeah. I, including, including local beers. Yeah, that's, that, like, it's, that, that adds a whole other, uh, a whole other layer into things. <laughs> it is, I mean, but I mean, like, it's not, like, I think that one like, thing that is very I, important, I think that people can be very negative about the kind, the quality of beer that is out there. And I think that you've made a very good point. And I think that most people who aren't dicks have made a pretty good point that, like, a lot of the beer out there right now is very good. And I think that's part of the problem is that <laughs> you're the if first you're person to, that said it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> if you're talking specifically right. about being, you have the stuff you're bringing in has to have, um, you know, has to be, you know, I mean, again, I can't just go in and buy, you know, Topeka Street, Kansas, right? You know, you know. Well, you, so we'll, I mean, we'll use a local example, yeah. and that I don't think cares to be called out. We'll say mm-hmm. Westside. Right. Westside Brewing is a, a fantastic brewery. Right. I love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their beer their, that they're making in the tap room is amazing. Right. Um, and the brand wouldn't speak much outside of Cincinnati. It wouldn't make sense sitting on a shelf um, in Topeka. Right. Nobody would buy Westside. IPA. Unless Topeka West, also had a Westside, West maybe. Westside double IPA. <laughs> yeah. Would not sell in Topeka, Kansas. Even though it's one of the best double IPAs that, that I've had. That's what I'm talking about. It's yeah. not like, it oh. Makes sense. I mean, because Colin is a pro. I oh, mean, yeah. he, is, he is an absolute pro brewer. Like, you're not going to. Again. No one's going to talk about. My favorite double yeah. IPA in the city, Westside's double IPA. I'm, I'm making that very clear here that I love what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I guess, and that's kind of what we're talking about here is that what the beers that Westside makes are no one's ever spit those beers out. You know, no one's ever had, you know, there's not like, there's like, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're selling perfectly well in their tap room, right. perfectly well on the west side of Cincinnati. And, you know, frankly, doing a pretty good job in other parts of the city um, as well. So it's not as if they're, you know, they're Everybody's got a in. little bit of west side in them, no matter where I, you live. <laughs> I, I, was, I was born on the west side. It was, I, I lived there um, for, uh, my entire uh, childhood. So yeah, I, I, I have a lot of West. How did they let you out? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just went to college. (laughs) Uh, uh, We should drink something else. Um, Uh, um, Yeah, let's, let's do it. Do we want to talk about um, something that is completely not beer? Because um, there's there's a whole line of, of discussion that I feel like this could also mm-hmm. uh, um, kind of wrap into. Definitely. Let's definitely do it. I'm just reaching in here and see if I... Oh, no, that's the wrong one. I'm reaching into a, a cooler blindly. <laughs> same one, just a different <laughs> can of the same one. Um, I want to talk about non-beer beers. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we don't have to specifically talk about these brands... Uh, because they're not yours. Yeah. They're not your. Well, no, no, no. We, let's, I mean, I, I'm, this is your show. I am a guest on your show. I will. I will. You know. I've made it very clear over the years that mm-hmm. I'm merely a conduit for everybody else. This is this is your show as much as it is mine. Great. Um, but I want to talk about. Uh, we've we've talked about seltzer a lot mm-hmm. on this show. Way more than I ever. If somebody had told me when we started the show seven years, however long it was, um, that we would talk about seltzer on this show. I would have told you you were crazy. Um, but we have talked about seltzer a lot and that's, that's not exactly what we're talking about, but we're talking about, um, what, uh, 
I've decided to call alternative beverages. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I opened up a can of bourbon wheel. I am from Carrigan. I've heard about this. And then uh, the this. pink lemonade, uh, hard pink lemonade from 50 West, which I think, I think legally I have to say that both of these were uh, provided to me. I did not buy either one of these oh, nice. cans. I think I have to say that. Um, oh, legally, I have to tell you that you actually bought all the beers that you drank. So. <laughs> should, should <laughs> no, bill when I'll I walk get the bill and you have it. Um, Bourbon Wheel is one of my favorite um, uh, canned cocktails, okay. I guess. So, I mean, yeah, would this be kind of like an RTD, I guess? Yeah, it's 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 canned. Co- well, I don't. So I don't know. I talked about this a little bit on my last YouTube video. I don't know where those classifications lie anymore. Seltzers versus RTDs versus canned cocktails versus uh, RTD and canned cocktails are the same. Those are synonyms. I feel like they're all the kind of the same thing. Well, okay, but like literally RTD canned cocktail are the there's there's no difference. Okay. What but, so where does uh something like uh and and we'll we'll go Kerrigan as the example. We have Kerrigan has a line of of drinks. They have mm-hmm. uh sparkling um, uh, sparkling spirits. Mm-hmm. They have uh, seltzers that are made with vodka, and then they have bourbon wheel. Right. Those three examples. What do they all classify as? Um, I mean, again, it, it can be <laughs> tricky because there's also FMBs, which is flavored malt beverages, which okay. is kind of like what was that was what, what the whole category was should, called. A should long be time seltzer ago. in theory. Well, so. Uh, like Mike's Hard Lemonade, Smirnoff Ice, that kind of stuff. Those are like the classic FMBs. So those were essentially legally beer, but they would brew it, quote unquote, and throw a bunch of stuff in there, right. do a bunch of stuff to it. So it tasted like you were drinking hard lemonade or whatever Smirnoff Ice was supposed to be. Um, then White Claw... I don't know if they were the first, but they certainly they were not the first, but they were the first. <laughs> we all know who the first one was, but um, the uh, White Claw, yeah, I believe, I mean, White Claw was around for a couple of years before it really took off. Right. And uh, essentially the idea was this was something different. It wasn't malt based. Um, I'm not an expert to know enough how different it what really was. Uh, but the idea is that this hard seltzer kind of became its own category in part because it was um, not. It was supposed to be something. It was like better for you. Right. It didn't have all the uh, residual sugar. It didn't have, or I guess, just added sugar at this point. Um, it wasn't brewed with barley. It was brewed, you know, it was supposed to be like cane sugar or something right. like that. Um, so that that seltzer kind of hard seltzer became its own category, and then. Ready to drink cocktails have kind of always existed. Um, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, ready RTD means ready to drink, right? Uh, is short for ready to drink cocktails. So, canned cocktails, ready to drink cocktails, same deal. Um, they've kind of people are kind of thinking that those are they, it's often been they, they are growing. Um, it hasn't really taken over the world by storm, certainly not in this market. I, th- and I think there was kind of some because I think legally you can't really put spirits in a can in Ohio, I don't think. So I'm not really sure how exactly you can. Really, I think. I mean, uh, they are. <laughs> the ambiguity expressed right here perhaps has been. I, I need a to, reason for now. Its I need to dig sluggish. into that a yeah. little bit. I, I, it's sluggish. Take up I, I, for a while. So I guess my most that is my understanding, generally, because the 
way Ohio classifies alcohol percentage has it okay. had to do so, with it. But so this is this is probably the yeah. thing here. You can't put spirits in a can if you're calling it something other than spirits. Like you couldn't it's a tax thing, right? It might be a tax thing, but then if you were selling spirits, you wouldn't be able to sell them through a beer or wine distributor. You have to go through the state itself. Oh, I see. So um so for example when Ballast Point had their I mean this is back in two thousand fourteen when I was working at Premium Beverage, we wanted to get those RTDs back then. Right. And they were like, we can't do it because it's got, they really just put the stuff in there. Right. So, it's cause, so to me, and this is, again, a different, I, I, different I, I, rabbit hole. But Yeah. The laws uh, might have changed. It might be different if it's produced in state. I'm not saying that anyone who's saying they got spirits in the can doesn't have spirits in the can. The, the, just to be clear. the best hard seltzers that I've ever had. Uh, for the most part, and that's that's not including kind of the the smooge category or mm-hmm. the the urban artifact seltzers, anything that's kind of that elevated fruit thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're talking about best, just like white claw clone, basically. hard yeah. hard seltzer, like a mm-hmm. seltzer seltzer, uh, are the ones that are not actually done the way that you think you're supposed to. It's just vodka in seltzer. Like right. Those are the ones that taste the best because I mean, it's yeah, clean. You can make that. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can make that's, that. was kind of the joke about White Claw. It's like, why would I put in a can the easiest cocktail to make? Yeah, when I can walk into any place that is serving that and they have a soda gun and they have a bottle of vodka and I can just put those together and it tastes better than... Well, yeah, neither here or there as far as seltzer. But this is this is the stuff that gets me a little more interested mm-hmm. in, in the category of... Um, Let me see what it what says. I'll, what I'll call alternative beverages. Uh, it's it's bourbon lemonade. Like it's, well, okay. it's bourbon. But it, it says it is gluten free, uh-huh. made with real juice. Sure. Seven point five percent alcohol by volume. Um, when life gives you lemons, add bourbon. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's all it's got. Yeah. It's, we, we were talking about ingredients earlier. Um, and so we know how opaque ingredients can be <laughs> as far as things go. Um, but no, I mean, it is, I think that the fact is that most people don't care if, I mean, again, this very well could be their bourbon and lemonade added. I don't know. Um, again, that's one of the, the problems with me be talking about a product I don't sell. But um, It's also part and, of the fun of it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we have been offered RTDs from uh, some of our brands that they're doing it and... Um, for a variety of reasons, we haven't picked them up. But one of those was kind of my murky understanding of their legality in Ohio as a B1, B2 license holder that we are. Do you think that uh, category-wise, though, as far mm-hmm. as things like this becoming a thing, um, do you think that this is that that missing link between macro drinkers and craft beer drinkers, the thing that kind of brings people together? Well, I mean... If you know, the missing if link could be different for everyone, right? I mean, that's kind of, you talk about gateway beers, you know, the gateway product. Um, I'm not saying yeah. gate, because to me, gateway means it's the thing that gets you to the next thing. Right. Like, I don't think that this is going to get people to drink Carrigan's beer or whatever. I think that this is going to be the product that some there is a certain drinker out there that doesn't want craft beer, but would drink the crap out of this. <laughs> I think that's the idea behind the product for sure. And that, I think that's the interesting side to me is that you now see craft breweries making stuff like this, uh, not 
to get people to drink another one of their products to provide them the product that they want to drink. Right. Which I, for a long time I felt like breweries would make a gateway beer or right. a thing that they was like, Oh, well, when you come to our tap room and you ask me for this, I'll give you this because it'll get you into what I do. Right. And I think that a lot of breweries now are figuring out that that's not, that doesn't work. People. Yeah. I mean, that, I think that's definitely the case. And I, I think that, the evangelical side of craft beer has definitely uh, the idea that we're gonna we're gonna take over the world, right? That that the, the craft beer revolution is coming, and we're gonna have uh, you know everyone is gonna go back to the way it was, and everyone's gonna be drinking small local craft breweries. Um, I think that is, the financial realities have kind of caught up to that dream, and unfortunately, you're just not going to convince every single person in the world in this country to drink uh, better beer. Right. And so now I think that people are just kind of meeting consumers where they are uh, and trying to, you know, cause they've created these brands. They have people going to their tap rooms. Um, they, you know, if you're in the, we're about to have this one. If you're in the 50 West running club and you don't want to drink beer for a variety of reasons, <laughs> This is a great way. This this hard lemonade here is a great way to kind of to show that that brand loyalty. Now, um, I've been to Fifty West probably more than any brewery I don't represent, um, mainly because I just live nearby. Um, but you know, I've only drank beer every single time I've been there. But that's you know, that, 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 that's definitely that's definitely me. I'm gonna say that anytime I've been to Fifty West, I've only had beer. Also, yeah. But at home, I've I've. Way a lot of lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it, you know we've seen a lot of these bigger kind of local breweries, be it uh, Braxton or uh, Mad Tree or Rheingeist, it, like this this move of them putting out some kind of very light, um, easy drinking, um, relatively cheap lager. The Tafts did a Cold Boy, or mm-hmm. you know, like it's we're seeing a shift of people instead of trying to convince people to, to, to come this way. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, what do you drink? We can do that. And then yeah. they're meeting them where those people well, want to be. I think that's was what the, the light lager stuff was it's, when they were trying that too. But it's very different. It's very mm-hmm. different than craft beer used to be of trying to convince people to, Hey, come over here, try this, try this, come yes. here, come here. Uh, you see it when you walk into a tap room and somebody says, Hey, I only drink Bud Light. It's like, okay, this is, this is, our version of that yeah. instead of, okay, well, we don't have that, but here, let me mm-hmm. let's try this and this and we'll, we'll figure out something that you do like. Yeah. I think it's different. That, yeah. I think that because, you know, we've talked a lot about this. Um, the, it's just, the fact is that the people you're, that the breweries are relying on now because there are so many are people who are never going to drink craft beer. Right. And, there's a variety of reasons. Are never going to drink what we traditionally know as craft beer. Because okay. is is this craft beer? No. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's not beer. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? I don't think they want this to be known as no, craft but beer. Like, I'm not uh, trying to be. But, but the, from, from their business... Uh, if you said how much craft beer did you guys sell last year, they're going to say, oh, here's how much craft beer we sold. And it's going to be a number that encompasses all of what they do. Okay. 
and that's that's becoming the norm though that almost every brewery has a product that i would say that's not craft beer Hmm. but it's part of this bigger picture now like craft beer is shifting it's changing it's it's encompassing other these other things i think uh craft breweries are changing and I think that they're now encompassing things that aren't craft beer. Is craft beer dead? No, I don't think it is. I, I mean, no, are craft breweries dead? Many. I mean, like it's. It, I mean, it's. It's. You know, it's. 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 It, that, and that's the thing, is that the drinkers aren't changing. It's the breweries are changing what kind of drinkers that they want to appeal to or that they need to appeal to, and that that is the fundamental difference. And that that's the kind of thing that when if you're talking about what kind of breweries we're looking for. Um, if they're trying to pitch me a seltzer or a hard soda or, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's something I mean, we do very well with Untitled Arts, You're, Florida seltzer. Uh, um, but we, 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 are, we are already in a relationship with them because they had, they had beer. What about, what about Smooge? We do sell Smooge in we Hamilton do. and Claremont County, yeah. But I mean, like, that's, <laughs> it's, it's good. Smooge. For the record, yeah, I mean, that's, Smooge it's very is good. good and it's, it's, it's Smooge. I mean, that's, it's just Smooge is what it is. I'm not saying that, like, we don't sell things that aren't craft beer, but it's not a not a serious part of, of, of what we're, what we're doing. Right. Because I mean, it's, that is a completely different market to compete in. It's, it, it, you're dealing with people who are making decisions based on entirely different criteria than a craft beer drinker. And it, you know, and a lot of people are, it's a very crowded market in a, it's a, it's a very crowded market and one that is a lot less, uh, it's open to new entrants into that market. Right. <laughs> Where, so, I mean, basically, like, yeah, there's a ton of craft breweries. There's maybe a lot less RTD companies, but, you know, the RTD customer is not looking for the newest RTD every single time they go out to a bar. Oh, that's interesting. So, like, I... I almost, I, I think I might disagree with that. It, Just really? based on like when I look at. I mean, I could definitely be wrong. About but that. I, I, what doesn't, logically, I agree with it. Mm-hmm. But then I look at how many different flavors, uh, like White Claw is right. just pumping out. Mm-hmm. quarter after quarter it's just this new variety pack with the whatever this wave or surge mm-hmm. or whatever the, yeah. you know, I guess something new constantly it's like this new fruit or this new candy or this new soda or whatever yeah. like it, it is like this this constant rotation of trying to keep new flavors out there and I don't know if that's a, a misunderstanding I, I, I of their drinkers or no I think I think you're right in astute to notice that but I think that the level of variation that you're seeing in the seltzer category is dwarfed by the level, uh, you know, the, uh, of all the stuff that's going out. And sure. If you, I mean, for example, I mean, with Florida seltzer, we have like eight or nine flavors that we sell. Right. And with with un, just with Untitled Arts beer, we we have hundreds of beers that we've brought in from them since April 2019. So. That's kind of that's kind of the I mean and that's so just comparatively one, yeah. speaking and too then, yeah so we have then you know another thirty or forty breweries we brought in um, that didn't have a seltzer line on right. top of that so it, I think that again we don't again we don't do a ton but I think that if you looked at that you know how many companies um, a craft the average craft brewery uh, drinker craft beer drinker is going to go through versus the amount of variation in someone who is drinking this I I mean again. I would love to be proven wrong. It's not something that I've really done a, a huge deep dive in, but it right. does seem like 
you know, it's, there's a lot, I don't want to say brand loyalty, but they, it doesn't seem like the, when, and I think it's, I mean, it's changed. I think drinkers are changing in craft beer as well. And people are kind of being less, our people are less likely now to take a flyer on a brewery that they've never heard of. It's no longer exciting. It's not exciting to me to drink a beer that I've never heard of before. Right. I mean, again, I do a lot of work trying to look at beer. And you know, if I haven't heard of a brewery, you know, sometimes that can be fun. Sometimes it can be scary. Well, yeah. Because you know, I mean, there's like, there's like 9,000 breweries out there. You know what I mean? So it's, it's or I think it's like we, we've almost gotten to 10,000. But when it comes to, um, even, even though I think people are getting a little bit more discerning on the craft beer side, I think with, when it comes to RTDs and, and, and seltzers and, and, and the beyond beer kind of stuff, it does kind of feel like people just want to grab their, their product. And I'm not saying they always get the exact same thing, but I feel like new entrants have a higher barrier to get new customers when it comes to craft beer. If, because I mean, there's not really like I don't know. Like I feel like I mean, Tapo Chico is a great Tapo Chico is a great example, right? Of a hard seltzer that we don't sell, by the way. That um, that people were excited about. Smooge was an example of of a product that people were excited about. You know, had heard about before and coming in. Is there that many other brands? Whereas I can think of literally hundreds of breweries that we could bring to the state of Ohio that people would lose their shit about. Again, right. not at the level that people lost their shit on Tapo Chico. But again, I mean, so maybe that's maybe I mean, that's the reason. It's more of a gamble, but if you hit that, but I mean, again, Tapo Chico wasn't a rando craft brewery who, who made a seltzer. They were, you know, already well, yeah, existing. They were already an existing brand that just kind of, you know, frankly, just kind of slapped their label on a hard right. seltzer brand. Shout out to Hard Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but okay, but like that's the thing is like it's Hard Mountain Dew. It's not Topeka, Kansas brewery making a seltzer that, right. that that's hitting it big. It's okay. You know, now we're gonna have you know the Taco Bell hard seltzer is gonna hit hit the market and people are gonna buy it for a week and a half and it's gonna be gone. Right. I mean, that's that, that's what new entrants are looking like as far as success. And again, we're talking about different scale. I mean, maybe. If you know, maybe if you don't need there to be, but I mean, it just just does seem like there's a big gap between what a successful Beyond Beer brand looks like and what an unsuccessful one looks like. Whereas breweries, it does, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, it's it's it is. I mean, I, I know I, I I own a business here and, and stuff like that, but like you're asking me, it's it's kind of like a funny question as far as something that we haven't really spent a lot of time right. scratching our heads about because it I, just doesn't, it does not really where our customers are, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. I think that there are way more of your customers than you uh, are giving credit to that are drinking this stuff. Oh, they might be drinking it. That's definitely the case, but um, they might, I mean, like, I mean that stuff. I mean, sure. I mean, I'm not saying that they're not drinking S- it, something, but something, yeah. maybe not this specifically, but something. Right, but um, I mean, our customers are, are are bottle shops, bars, restaurants, grocery stores, that kind of thing. I mean, right. so we not only would have to getting the brands that our customers are drinking. You know, our customers are drinking Topo Chico hard seltzer. Right, we're not going to be able to distribute Topo Chico <laughs> right, hard right, seltzer. Right. <laughs> right, yeah, man, it's oh, it's hard. Like I, mm-hmm. like what what is that thing that makes Maybe it is the uh, uh, on the RTD side the, the the brand awareness the going into it that makes it popular. I, I mean, it's it's, I it's it's a it 
you know, what we do is, is, you know, we kind of, cause other than, yeah. other than smooge, I, like, I can't think of a brand that is like popped really big as far as the, the non beer stuff that isn't already like a major brand. Yeah. Topo Chico or yeah. Mountain Dew or whatever it may be. Yeah. And you, you look at look at ones that had a ton of money behind them. Bond and Viv. Yeah. It's a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Where are they now? Yeah. You know, I mean, again, it was just Budweiser Bottom rebranded it. It's probably Bud Light Seltzer now. Uh, it's a, either, what is it now? It has a real name. Yeah, either right. Bud Light or uh, the uh, Cutwater Spirits is their other end, right? Cutwater was uh, Ballast Point. Uh, that's Budweiser now, right? It might be. Yeah. I think. I think. I, think but, I don't know. It's, it's all names. It's Lightning all striking all, twice. It's just for all, the, uh, all brands that people yeah. pass around. <laughs> Ballast Point, man. That's. Uh, we should drink something else. Let's do it. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, we, we do, do you want to do this one here? I've not had it Let's because do it. I'm curious it about it. Okay, so new New Topia cider is a brand new cider company. Um, it's part of, I guess, what can best be described as a brand family that we have from uh, Mason Ale Works. Not a local brewery uh, from uh, San Marcos, California. This is not the um, color I was expecting. Well, it's on. It's right in the can. <laughs> I mean, so I this is. We are nice. drinking Newtopia cider. It is a collab with uh, Tap Room Beer Company. It is a uh, cider with uh, vanilla, coconut, lactose, and what I believe is ube. What um, is ube? It's called. I don't know. Uh, hopefully, it's not a you know drug or something like that. Uh, it is called Am. Um, Amethyst Airwaves. It is a, uh, and as you can see, um, or they can't you can see. hear Gnome react to its uh, color. It's like a, I don't know, I guess a dark lavender would be how I describe it, maybe like a, a deep purple. Yeah, it's very purple. I'm looking up Ube right now to figure out what I it is. I guess Amethyst okay. is probably the Ube color. Mm-hmm. is an African pear, mm-hmm. uh, uh, a native pear Golly, or a bush that's pear. that's good. Native West Africa. Um... It did tell us that there was lactose it's, it's in there. It's pink in color uh, when unripe, but it turns dark purple when it's ripe. So I guess that's where the color comes from. Yeah. So this was these some ripe ass Man, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe what it smells like. I'm sorry to act surprised, but this is this is the first time I've actually had this product. I mean, so it's not so when you when you hear cider, this mm-hmm. is this is cider with a Y, which I think is actually a different thing. So what? I think no, it's not. That's, it says it, over here. Um, oh, it's that's a marketing choice. It's uh, sizer is different than sizer. Oh, that's what but, I'm thinking. Yeah. Matt, what, what? I don't know how to describe the the smell. It's it's definitely not apple. Like it's it. uh, notes uh, of ube. I would say. Yeah, it's it's very ube like. <laughs> I mean, it's almost I just, like a like a like a like a funky kind of. Um, uh, berries, maybe, uh, mm. but there's. Well, knowing yeah. it's a pear, I think that it tastes like a ver a pear that has had a lot of plums in its family tree. Would be basically the way I would describe it. It's definitely. Um, Ooh, well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I it should be like this. Would be something I have like pallets of in the back, but I actually I. I think we're out of this. <laughs> I think we just it, got it as part of a damage case. That's, it's, it's pretty good, though. This is something that also is probably hard to sell, though. Hard to explain to somebody what this is. Um, well, when you're talking earlier about kind of our brand and a distributor that has um, 
you know, people understand what Adina is about and what we sell. Right. So when we're able to have our, uh, we're able to pitch something like this. Okay, it's a cider with an African pear, some vanilla, coconut, and lactose. Uh, people kind of get like, all right, these guys have done their homework. Right. They understand that this is a part. This must have something. Again, we don't get like a ton of this in. Like I said, I, I don't have pallets of this. We, I think we're completely sold out. So we get a little bit of this. See how it does. See if people respond to it. If I knew it was this good, maybe I would have gotten a little more. Um, but you know, ciders. Really tough market, but this is definitely this is definitely like an Adina beer not, version of a cider. Yeah, it's not it's not a cider like in what people traditionally yeah. think of a cider. Nobody in like the Midlands of England was like drinking this while they were pig farming no. or something. <laughs> oh, oh, there's some fresh ube. Let's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, let's, is, let's toss that into the cidery. No, it's, uh, it's, it really is. Um, I mean, you know, that this is one way that I think that we're talking about craft beer moving forward. Making a cider with ube, vanilla, coconut, and lactose, and making sure that it tastes this good is a part of of what I think. If you can do it, is a successful model for you know getting people to stick with. I mean, again, this is a cider, but I mean, it's you know, it's definitely. I mean, cider's got to have at least as many problems as uh, as beer has right now. So <laughs> probably way more. <laughs> well, poor cider. I mean, I feel like every I I used to work for a distributor that had a lot of big name ciders and you know one of them was top of the market so they never really worried too much but even they would talk about how if you know the united states could just have if cider could have half the market share that europe has you know <laughs> it's just like not even close it's not even close but that's <laughs> you know that's the frustration from from a drinker's perspective mm-hmm. again kind of going back to that other kind of discussion that i think is not actually on the show i think we lost out on mm-hmm. uh, because of technical difficulties uh yeah i there as a drinker like i i i want to experience cider in all of its uh all of its joys that it can yes. be and there's no possible way to do that i shouldn't say that there are probably places in the united states that are doing traditional cider really well but that i i just i can't get a hold of i well, don't, we, I don't I actually, know where we, we got some we got some good stuff we, we we got a couple good ones that are actually coming in we're we're, we're, we're dipping our toe into cider oh yeah, well let me know <laughs> i will i'll see if we got any samples no but, but i think that because people i mean everyone remembers how good strong bow tasted you know, in 2011, right? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, there's just like yeah. it, it, we we everyone remembers how good Strongbow tasted in 2011. I feel like cider. <laughs> there there are a lot of ciders today that are trying to be seltzers, and I think that that is a mistake from cider's perspective. Well, I I do think it is tough because it does feel like Americans do prefer pretty much everything else to cider, whereas yeah. it. You know, okay, cider's getting big. Oh, no, craft beer stole its lunch. FMB stole its lunch, you know. Then, oh, no, well, now we're going to make a comeback. And then hard seltzer comes in. RTDs come in. You know, wine and spirits are always compete. They're always competing. It just, I've, that's why we've been so cautious about cider is because there's that, again, if we're talking about consumers, you know, they're already, there's they're very crowded. It's a very, it's just- you know. So good. <laughs> it is. I mean, yeah. But I mean, like, this, is, this is the first ube uh, infused cider I've ever had. Uh, let me ask you: If you're looking at a picture of ube, uh, mm-hmm. would you eat one of those? 
I mean, having now had this, <laughs> yes, I definitely would. <laughs> Man, they look gross, but this is delicious. It, it, yeah, you can Google what an ube looks like. It does look like a off-model eggplant. It looks like somebody's <laughs> uh, cucumber went bad, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff's delicious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now I'm going to look for ube at Jungle Gyms. Yeah, see the, if they got any. I've, I've, I've walked around Jungle Gyms a lot. you uh, seen any? I've never seen ube. Mm-hmm. I've never specifically been looking for ube, but I don't think they have it. I don't, I don't recall seeing it. And I've I've walked around with a beer in my hand just looking at random things a lot at Jungle Gems. Um, thank you. Thank no you for problem. hanging out. This was fun. Uh, craft beer is still a thing, right? Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, I, that, if, if there's any takeaway, I mean, I think that, you know, I think there's a little bit of what, you know, kind of the cheerleading about craft beer was a little bit lost in, in kind of what we'd like to see craft beer return to. But... I mean, I think there's a big gulf between, I think what we can, the, the, the thing that I think that craft beer fans could take heart is that, you know, there still is, uh, there still are a lot of craft breweries out there who are beer focused, making good beer. More now than ever. More now than ever. But yeah, I, I think that, that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that you're probably right, that there's going to be a lot of oddball stuff coming out this different stuff but you know there's still there's still going to be a lot of breweries whose business is beer and uh i think that that uh is something to look forward to uh if you could speak to people that were getting ready to start a craft brewery tomorrow they're getting ready to open their doors what mm-hmm. advice would you give them well i mean the other common, than, the other common than one find is a good distributor yeah. <laughs> um but uh no I, I i mean again i i would you definitely want to make sure you have a a good understanding of uh, of what your audience is going to be, and what your, who your customers are going to be, um, and you're definitely going. You want, I would say, you want to be deliberate, deliberate in everything that you do. Um, and uh, you know, I I think that it's easy again to say because my perspective is you know everything outside the tap room, right? But you know, the fact is that the people who are just going to walk into your brewery and buy something because they're there are going to do that no matter what kind of beer you make. Right. So if you make beer that people care about, not just because they're there, but because it's good, then you can expand your audience. You can keep yourself relevant regardless of whether your neighborhood has good foot traffic or if the Singo guy shows up or not. (laughs) Um, You know, then you can, that's, I think, you know, you can't just be, and again, one thing that's always important, the customers aren't stupid and you're not going to be able to fool them and they are not going to have the same opinion about everything as you are. And you're right. going to have to, you are going to have to meet them where they are, but you know, listen, listen to your customers. Yeah, ex- exactly right. But I mean, <laughs> listen, listen, not just in what they are saying to your face, but listen, listen the deeper like, don't, yeah, again, the people who visit you from out of town, listen to those people. Right. You know, the guy who walks in because he lost his license because he has too many DUIs, maybe don't listen to that guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention to who you're listening to. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Michael. This was, uh, this was fun. Um, got a phone call coming mm-hmm. in. That's fun. I'm not answering that one right now. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be an interesting phone call. 
<laughs> I, we, I have a piece of artwork that is relevant to that. Um, uh, for everybody that uh, listens to the show week in, week out, thank you very much. I appreciate you more than you know. Um, the best way you can support things is just to share it with a friend. Tell somebody that doesn't know about the show already about the show, and that's how it keeps growing. Uh, but a little less, but also very important. If you want to support it, go to the gnarly slash support and it links you right into Patreon and you can actually give me money. And that helps also makes my wife very happy. So thank you guys that do that already. We'll be back next week. We're talking, I'm not going to pull up the calendar. We're talking something about beer and it's going to be good. Great. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy craft. Mm-hmm.